Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this show for you. If you're staying with me from the first hour, thank you so much. If you're just joining me, welcome to the program. This program is about sex, health, and relationships. And this hour of the program, in addition to giving away a prize or two for you, I am also going to be talking about why men have this compulsion to snap their junk and send it along. Also, how childhood trauma leads to lifelong chronic illness and why that impacts a sexual relationship in a marriage or a union or other type of dyad. Uh, Also, I'm going to be talking about some of the emails and some of the clinical cases that I uh, see, some of the patients that I see in my clinical practice. and uh, a host of other sex-related types of... We get a little bit more risque in this half an hour. Uh, also, I want to talk about um, what's it like to marry a survivor of sexual abuse. I This is a subject that uh, needs far more attention than it receives, especially around some of the myths. And one of the myths is that men can never be sexually abused. Boys and or men can never be sexually abused. That is untrue. In fact, uh, one of the patients that I saw in my clinical practice that leads a tragic life was actually sexually abused by his mother from the tender age of four to age 11. And uh, his daughter just died of uh, leukemia at the young age as well. You wonder if that's uh, somehow related. We're going to delve deeper into some of these subjects, but uh, at the moment, I have Jasmine on the line. Hello, Jasmine. Hey, Maureen. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. How are you? Excellent, thanks. Good. Yeah, I just wanted to comment. What a sad, sad letter that was. Wasn't it? Oh, my God. Like, I don't even, like, why I, Why would you want to sleep with that guy in the first place? This is true. And, exactly. You know, it, it was just like this total uh, talk about male entitlement. Absolutely. You know, and and I'm here to say I'm transgendered, and I'm here to tell all women make them treat you sacred and special. You know, and it doesn't mean about you know having them spend money. It's not about money. It's about just making them cherish you. You know, it's um, it's amazing. I like I believe women invented trust in the first place. Do you think? Well, I I believe. Um, I mean, the act of sex, uh, you know, the woman is is physically uh, uh, weaker, and yet she lays herself and opens herself up to be penetrated to to make this whole thing uh, possible, this whole thing called life possible. And it's interesting. I mean, he's he's downright abusive to toward her. Yeah, it's like, come on, I you know, uh, he's, yeah, downright abusive that letter. But in men in general, it's like. Um, you know, that's why women, you know, like, show me your sense of humor. Be funny. That's why, you know, show me some flowers. Show me that you're going to treat me sacred before I have, before I lay myself down and open myself up to you. Do you know yeah, what I mean? There are a lot of problems in relationships, and, uh, you know, it's it's what people will tolerate. We teach people how to treat us, I often say. Yeah. Um, many people deal with things like infidelity, for example, through denial. Oh, my husband didn't actually want to have an affair with you, or my husband didn't actually want to do this. So denial is protection as a protectionary measure. But even that uh, type of treatment is, uh, you know, that will eat away at the trust. But then you have to look, look deeper and say, why would that man want to go outside of that relationship? I mean, th- these things are very complex. Mm-hmm. But but treatment like that is is terrible and and you never allow somebody to rent space in your head like that, uh, although it's very difficult because sexual desire sexual attraction is involuntary, 
you know, you can't help it. And it also can be an, an addiction and people can get involved in it and think, you know, I want this man. I desire this man. I, I need this man. I, and you know, the, the, it's human nature. We want what we can't have. And, and she's as, as much. I, I don't know about the human nature thing. I, human nature to me is um, fundamentally founded on create creativity. And if you want to create like from that point, you create whatever world you want to be in. You yes. know, if you want to create a doggy dog world, then you can create that. That that is true, but uh, but also, you know, uh, so many people want somebody that they can't have, and and by the mere fact that they can't have them, that that's a bit of a little bit I, of human nature, and people get involved in this, and they they they're not even thinking clearly, but but they can't. I, I, it's physical. I think it's I think it's more a um, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole when you know your intuition is saying this isn't going to work, but you want it to work so bad that you try to stuff it in the wrong hole. That's right. So to speak. Yeah, yeah, and so to speak. Great little sex show comment there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really appreciate your comments, Jasmine. I really appreciate the call. Yeah, I always, uh, I love listening to your show. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice of you to say. Yeah, right on. All right, well, take care. Take care, love. All right, thank you. Call again. Now I have Bob on the line. Hello, Bob. Hello, is this, is this Bob from Surrey? No, I think you're Bob from Surrey. I'm Maureen. <laughs> uh, okay. No, I was just going to say, it was my turn. Anyway, uh, this thing about uh, uh, men and women being physically abused? Yes, or sexually abused? Exactly. No, I don't like the word, I don't like to use the word sexually abused, eh? Okay. But I was uh, physically abused three different times. I had my life threatened three times, and yet there's no law whatsoever against it. And these guys that do all these things got away with it. And were you a child when this happened to you, Bob? No, in fact, I wasn't. I was uh, over the last, say, four or five years. I was a senior. Oh, and, uh, you know, uh, people can be, you know, marginalized, and uh, a lot of people take advantage of seniors, a lot of people abuse seniors, a lot of people treat seniors terribly. You're absolutely correct, and that can impact your quality of life, but don't let it. Exactly. Uh, I mean, when this man walked into a shower in the house I was renting, he walked into my bedroom, into my shower, and said, I thought you might want some company. This man is a sick individual, but there's no law against it, eh? Well, there are laws against it, actually. It's a big secret. It's yet another secret shame in our society. But, exactly. you know, I can say just report it to the police. Um, get the help that you need. Yep. And, um, yes. I've got the help I need, but they all turn their back on me. Like it's my fault. Well, you know, the thing is, only you can help yourself at the end of the day, to be totally yep. honest. People can give you the information, but you're the exactly. one that has the power to help yep. yourself. Exactly. Bob, thank you so much for your call. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you listening to the show. When I come back, we're going to be talking about how childhood trauma leads to lifelong chronic illness and why the medical community isn't helping patients better than they are. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW.
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm a registered nurse here to talk to you about sex and everything that's related to sex. You know, in my clinical practice, I see men, women, they, and couples. Couples in distress, mainly couples who have desired discrepancy. One wants to have sex, the other one doesn't. Seems like a pretty simple problem, right? Just have more sex. It's not that easy, let me tell you. Um... You know, I have patients who are, uh, you know, haven't had sex for a long time. And often uh, the one one person in the couple uh, has a lot of physical ailments, may have an autoimmune disease, has one issue after another, has fatigue, has fibromyalgia. They may have fibromyalgia. Um and other auto rheumatoid arthritis, other autoimmune diseases, they they have absolutely no sexual desire. They peep, sometimes the men in these relationships have purchased cabins, rings, expensive engagement rings, cars, houses, uh, boats, and I I always have a story for the next guy. Because when, when they talk about something in their relationship, and I'll say, you know, I had a patient in my office who purchased a $25,000 ring in hopes that his fiance would have sex with him. And then the guy will fess up and he'll say, well, you know what? I bought the boat in hopes that she would have sex with me. And then the next guy, I tell the next story and I say, I have a guy who bought a boat in hopes that his wife would have sex with him. And he'll say, I bought a cabin in hopes that my wife would have sex with me. Uh, none of this uh is none of this is actually going to have little tip here guys don't go out and spend thousands of dollars in hopes that your wife is going to have sex with you it's not going to happen and it's almost like they're really not seeing the forest through the trees but the other side of the couple i i notice many times has has a block or is is ill on this level that uh, is difficult to pinpoint, um, but it's also uh, definitely contributing to the low sexual desire or the desired discrepancy or the mismatch. And, you know, people don't want to split up today, especially today in Vancouver, because they lose half of their assets. And so, you know, no longer are they worth $4 million, they're worth $2 million now. Um, if they have a little teardown in West Vancouver or something, uh, no, that's way underpriced. They're from ten million to five million if it's West Bend. But anyway, um, but you know they don't want to. It's expensive. They maybe have been through it before, and they don't want to go through it again. But they just want to have sex. And but sometimes I find that I think they're never going to have sex because this person is not well, and this person is not getting better. And it made me very curious to see some information about, and I've always felt this because, uh, in part because uh, of a, a book that was written by Gabor Mate, and it's called When the Body Says No, and I think everybody should read this book. It's a uh, chronicles about 10 clinical cases in his practice, and he's a doctor on the downtown east side, and he's written a number of books as well. Um, other books as well, but this one was poignant. And this one in particular, there was one story in it where it was a Jewish family and the daughter who had MS was allowed to, uh, 
prepare uh, all of the food and get the house ready for Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. It was one of those holidays. And, um, but she was not allowed to attend the festivities because she'd had a falling out with her brother and her mother sided with the brother. So here it talks about how uh, people don't have a voice and that is related to uh, this ongoing adversity in childhood. And it's about time that healthcare professionals um, lommed onto this a little bit. As I told you a little bit earlier in the program, one of my closest doctor friends, and he's a great doctor, uh, he said to me, what else do I do? I do everything, the lab tests, the CAT scans, the medications. And I said, ask them how their lives are. You know, and I'm not big on uh, asking people like, uh, you know, this deep psychological of what kind of parents did you have? Were they, you know, over-involved or were you from an enmeshed family or or that? But I do think that childhood adversity, uh, and there's some studies to support this, leads to a chronic state of fight, flight, or freeze. And researchers at Yale had recently shown that when inflammatory stress hormones flood a child's body and brain, they alter the genes that oversee our stress reactivity, resetting the stress response to high for life. These people are on high alert. This increases the risk of inflammation, which manifests later in cancer, heart disease, and most importantly, I think, autoimmune diseases. And I was not the least bit surprised to discover that the research linking childhood stress to adult illness uh, is is well supported. There have been over 1,500 peer-reviewed research studies that have replicated the findings that show uh, children who uh, have this particularly stressful beginning And they include the obvious, like sexual and physical abuse, but also stressors that many consider to be normal. So growing up with divorced parents, a lot of people get divorced. They say 50% get divorced. And it's almost considered normal. I wouldn't say it's normal. It's common, but not normal. And so that can actually lead to high stress in children. And you see that manifest in many different ways. Uh, they have difficulty in school, that may begin. But there are other things that um, people consider to be normal. I say they're not normal, they're common. Living with a depressed or an alcoholic mother or father, that happens commonly. And in fact, I would not advise anyone to marry an adult child of an alcoholic. You will have your work cut out for you. Having a parent who belittled or humiliated you or simply not feeling as if your family has your back. If your family doesn't love you, if your family isn't there for you, if you cannot rely on your family, it's a a big problem, and this may lead to disease later, but it also may start out with um, anxiety early in life. And children who experience childhood adversity, any of the ones that I've named or anything else that that comes to your mind, are twice as likely to be diagnosed with cancer and depression as adults. Now, that cannot come as any surprise. The one thing about raising children, what children need to feel, they need to feel 
secure. They need to feel security, that they can rely on somebody, that people are not going to harm them, especially when it's their parents. When your mother or your father beats you or abuses you or belittles you or berates you or doesn't support you, it's confusing for a child. It's embarrassing and it leads to shame. One One statistic struck home with me that women who'd faced three types of childhood adversity, so maybe they had physical abuse and and their parent was depressed and their parents were divorced, those women had a 60% greater risk of being hospitalized with an autoimmune disease as an adult. We need to look back at childhood stressors because they're also tied to heart disease, diabetes, migraines, and irritable bowel disease. You have no idea how many people come into my clinical practice and tell me that they have irritable bowel disease. I often say, why do you have that? And sometimes they'll say, nobody's ever asked me that before. But suffering six categories of early life stress can shorten a person's lifespan by 20 years. There was one study of 125,000 patients that showed that when physicians acknowledged and discussed patients' childhood trauma openly, patients enjoyed a 35% reduction in doctor's visits. So validating, I always say validating is so important, and validating patient suffering invites patients to address this issue finally. They can finally tell somebody. You know, when I was talking to this patient who was in dire straits this week, who was in really rough shape, uh, when I was talking to him about his, and I was just calmly asking him about his childhood, and he you know, shared what he wanted to. And, you know, I could see, honestly, a bit of a lift in his face. Like, I'm finally telling somebody. Um, He's a drug addict today. He's got lots of problems. Um, But it was a little bit like he could tell me about his mother, that his mother sexually abused him from the age of 4 to 11. And that, you know... Uh, he also had rheumatoid arthritis. He was a young man. He was about, I mean, he was late 20s, early 30s at the most. And so he had an autoimmune disease. Uh, so we have to start asking about these things. We have to start thinking uh, about parenting classes. There's no book that comes with those little babes. Um, and they don't stay babes for too long. Uh, But, you know, we have to start with uh, educating people about parenting and also asking about what happened. And and I think there's a bit of a shift in the medical schools across the country. I know there are some programs that are emerging with deep-rooted knowledge about how to help patients heal. And it's more than just a prescription. It's more than medication. It's more than laboratory tests and CT scans. It's about the whole patient, the body and the mind. So, you know, utilizing behavioral health tools that alleviate the root causes and the symptoms of disease. And also just, you know, when you talk to somebody about your issues, you release the pain. And, uh, and I think that's the beginning of people healing. Also, uh, tears also release the pain as well. I often tell people that they need to grieve what they've been through um, so that they can get over it and process it and, and start to heal again. Uh, so when I come back, you think that the women with the high sex drives are the ones that are, that are without any troubles? Think again, my friends. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW.
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath, registered nurse in the sexual health field, coming to you live. Thanks for staying with me on this now two-hour show. There is never enough time to talk about sex if you ask me, but you got to do more than talk about it. you got to have it. Uh, a lot of people are just lots of talk, no action. My TEDx talk is getting a lot more action than most marriages. But if your marriage is not getting enough action, a little sex toy might help. And to that end, I have the WeVibe Nova. It's uh, it's actually a gorgeous medical-grade silicon dual-stimulation vibrator. It's a, a rabbit style. So give me a call if you want to win this. The 69th caller, 604 280 nine eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell you can win that if you like so uh call me up and uh you can win this anyway uh you'll you'll want this it's a great one and i only like high quality sex toys because otherwise because vaginal tissues are so uh tender and uh they are very um you know got to be very careful with uh, vaginal tissues, especially if you are pregnant, postpartum, breastfeeding, on oral contraceptive pill, perimenopausal or menopausal. So you think that if you marry somebody with a high sex drive, that uh, all is going to be well. And uh, knowing that you're, the woman in your life has a high sex drive uh, or higher sex drive than most is boastworthy. Uh, you probably want to rub this in the face of all of your male friends because you know you talk about uh, sex or the sex you're not having, which is what I've learned from uh, some of the patients that I've seen on Skype the last this last week from around the world. Uh, that it's a big one of the patients was saying uh, it's a, a talk of the town. You know that all the guys are talking about how much sex they are not having. Uh, so you might think this is fantastic, uh, and you know having a as a man. Uh, having a woman with an insatiable sexual appetite is uh, you just think that you've uh, died and gone to heaven. Um, But according to recent research, this might not be actually that far off uh, the mark. This is not necessarily the best thing ever. So in fact, a woman with a high sex drive is much more likely to get divorced. So that might surprise you. And women who, according to a study out of the University of Oklahoma, women who start start watching porn when married are almost three times more likely to want a divorce. The research was conducted by sociology professor Samuel Perry showed that while men who began using porn after the first survey increased their risk of divorcing from 6 to 11 percent, but the impact on women was significantly higher, a jump from 6 to 16 percent. Women who stopped watching porn in between the surveys generally stayed at 6 percent, while those who continued continued to leap and, uh, and they leapt ahead to 18 percent. Um, led to uh, getting a divorce. And it has a little bit to do with that women are increasingly more sexual. I think women marry for the wrong reasons. I think men marry for the wrong reasons sometimes. And, uh, you know, more than a third of women today are watching porn at least once a week, according to Marie Claire, one of my favorite magazines. But I do have Paul on the line. Hello, Paul. Hello, Maureen. How are you? Good, how are you? Fine, thank you. Good, I'm your number one fan. My number one. <laughs> I have a fan. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yes. 
Thank you so much. (laughs) And you're the 69th caller, too. Thank you. (laughs) Did you want to win this uh, women's wee vibe? Sure, I can give it to my girlfriend. Oh, you're cheating on me, Paul, already. I can't believe it. (laughs) Maureen, I don't think that worked out. I think you'd be be a little older than me. (laughs) You're too much older than I am. Oh, well, Paul, that's an assumption that you're not winning now after that. I'm giving you the lube. (laughs) You're getting the lube. You make false assumptions. Nah. Necessarily. It happens, yeah. (laughs) Um, But you're definitely the winner. Okay. All right, but you have to pick it up here at the station. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Paul, for that backhanded compliment. Number one fan, but he's younger than I am. He must be a teenager. All right. You have to be 18 or older, Paul, to win. Uh, so we're talking about women and divorce. So uh, women with higher sex drive might actually uh, have an increased risk of divorce. So, uh, you know, women don't watch as much porn as men do, but uh, that has something to do with why these women. I think women come into their own sexuality and their own sexual sel- sense and sexual self-esteem, and they realize, hey, I want to have good sex. Uh, you know, a lot of women report boredom in the bedroom. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's a little something using pornography to develop one's own sexual desires. Uh, maybe something that we're only just truly becoming aware of in uh, uh, women today. Uh, But it's a tool that ladies use to discover what they like, and somehow that is tied to an increased rate of divorce. Do we need another reason to divorce? Well, apparently we do, uh, and this is going to be a new one. So when I come back, I'm going to talk about uh, your junk. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. What a lovely song, huh? I'm Maureen McGrath, and uh, we're talking about uh, my new book, Scent. It's not written yet. It's going to be easy to write. I'm just going to take all of your emails and all the pictures of your junk that you've sent me, and I'm going to publish it in a book because I can't believe you hit Scent. Uh, You know, with um, Anthony Weiner with the most unfortunate name of Mr. Weiner. He's, uh, you know, here you've got to shake your head. Here's a guy who has it all. He's got everything. Uh, a prominent wife. He's got a great career, or he had a great career. Uh, and uh, we, they, they gave him a second chance. And now he's uh, once again sending inappropriate photographs to women. But, you know, it reminded me of uh, why men do that. Men persist in snapping a pick of their dangly bits. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it. That's what you can call it on the family hour on uh, CKNW here. And sending them to women they barely know. I mean, nobody knows me, and they still send them to me. Or even just emails that are just like, wow, really? You just sent that to me? Like, are you kidding me? And I And sometimes I get the feeling that they've written this and they've taken ages to write it, and then they hit send, and then I just hit delete, and it's all over in such a fast amount of time. But um, the women who receive these dangly bits picks, shall I call them, uh, go through five stages of grief. 
shock initially. It's like, oh my gosh, revulsion, curiosity, rejection, and then hilarity. Any of the stages may be experienced concurrently or in the same order. And, you know, I'm used to getting them now, so I'm like not really... I'm nonplussed by them, but uh, don't send them to me, please, because, you know, it's disgusting. Uh, I have no interest in seeing in seeing that. Um, but anyway, women actually do then, you know, in the hilarity phase, they actually share these um, with other, they share your pics with others, including gay friends, and they provide entertainment that runs the gamut of momentary amusement to prolonged mirth. So consider that. You never know who's actually getting, who's going to be on the receiving end of that pick. Um, but why do men do that? I mean, there's a, there's a thought that there is, that this is male entitlement. There's an idea that uh, because women's bodies are beautiful or considered to be more beautiful than men's bodies by, you know, a lot of people that men feel that because they want to see women's bodies that women want to see their bodies. Um, and even where, where a woman may have given every indication that she does not want a dangly bits pick, uh, the man chooses to interpret her no as a yes in disguise, perhaps. Um but or is it kind of self-advertising fueled by vanity and aggression or, you know, is it kind of that let me show you what's in store for you or look at what you're missing? Um, and so because men unevolved and low EQ as they are, not IQ, EQ, emotional quotient, um, they love receiving such images from strangers. They love receiving uh, naked pictures of women. And so they assume that women like the same thing. Men always perceive, not, not always, I shouldn't say ever say always, but men often misperceive women's sexual interest in them, and therefore they project their own sexual interests and desires onto women. So men are really hoping and thinking that this is a turn-on for you and that you will send them, you as a woman, will send them a picture in response, but you should just send them somebody else's dangly bits picture. And also men uh, consider uh, the online environment to be anonymous. They don't realize that everything on the internet stays on the internet. And, uh, you know, we women actually save all this stuff. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need it. Save all of your emails. I've got every single one of mine. I actually had a, a, a message from someone on LinkedIn and I had to disconnect the guy. I didn't even know how to de-link somebody. And, uh, but I de-linked him, but I, before I did that, I made sure that I had the message cause I'm going to use that one day. Um, but you know, there's this survival of the fittest strategy about these pictures, the bolder, the brasher, the more chance potentially of getting female attention rather remaining, uh, the nice guy. Cause you know what happens to nice guys? They, they finish, last. So guys like that shock value, they get more attention and negative attention is better than no attention at all. They also, of course, get a sexual thrill at the idea of an unknown woman seeing their genitalia. And so there's a little bit of exhibitionism that comes into play here. And also, uh, I hate to even say this, but you know what, that guys are probably visiting the bishop, uh, as we Catholic girls said, uh, when... Um, uh, when they're sending these pictures as well. And so they're imagining that the woman 
uh, is seeing the picture that they send. You know, fantasy is uh, yeah, it's a sort of part of fantasy, but it's a a fantasy that you just definitely don't want to kind of think about. Um, but it's a little bit of a pre-approval to mitigate the possibility of rejection because you know what, guys don't like to be rejected either. And uh, this way, if they get the rejection out of the way early, they don't have to worry about being rejected or shamed uh, once they actually meet you. Do they actually think they're going to meet this person? But anyway, nonetheless, I would think about it uh, before I uh, took the pick and sent the dangly bit. When I come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this sex thing. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm Maureen McGrath, the natural woman. How are you? Uh, Thanks for staying with me and listening to all this sex talk and love talk and relationship stuff and dangly bits issues. And I have an email from somebody. Uh, Maureen, with regard to your dangly bits discussion, I would like to say one thing. A man's ego should be treated like a woman's emotions. Good point. This is true. Uh, you know, men and their egos, uh, but women have egos as well. But, you know, the ego is can be very difficult to contend with. Um, what if you want to have sex with somebody and uh, you don't want to get emotionally involved? You know, this happens. This is like, you know, you may be in a relationship where the sex is boring, but you don't want to leave the relationship. You may have a lot of responsibilities. You may no longer be attracted to your uh, spouse and you want to have sex outside of the relationship. I'm, I'm not, um, I am not encouraging this. I'm not uh, supporting this. I'm just saying this happens. You know, I, I make no judgments as, as I say, but it certainly does happen. And I, I had a couple or a uh, sorry, a woman in my clinical practice, and she was having an affair with a married man. And she said on every level, he was a liar. And, uh, and she knew that he cheated with other women as well. But but the one thing she was certain of, and I'm not sure why, was that he was in love with her. Um, but even though he was uh, embarrassed to be with her and always looking around and seeing if somebody saw them and, and she kissed him in public and he got very nervous and, you know, but that's kind of manipulative and you can't really do that. And you have to establish some ground rules before if you're just wanting to have sex with somebody. And uh, so what are some of the ways you can do that? You need to lay the ground rules out up front and make sure you both agree on them. You know, there will be no emotionally atta- emotional attachment here. This is strictly physical. This is strictly sexual. Uh, you may be a sexual person. You may, uh, you may have invented the term. Uh, you may uh, just, uh, you know, not want to change anything about your relationship. You might be quite happy in your relationship, but you want to just have sex with somebody else here and there, maybe same time next year, maybe every now and again. So you want to be very careful who you choose your friends with benefits, shall we call it that, uh, relationship with. Don't go for somebody who you know has feelings for you or who is in any way emotionally unstable whatsoever. Uh, and you're this particular person should not be involved in your social life. And if this person tries to get involved in your social life, you know that's a red flag and do not um, do that. So you want to have two entirely separate lives and never the twain shall meet. Do not ever text anything or send any pictures or messages 
from your friends with benefits person. You've got to use the old-fashioned way. You've got to pick up the phone, dial the number. Um, is is the safest these days and, and difficult, in fact, uh, to track, much more difficult. So you've got to be extremely cryptic and extremely uh, careful about this because some people can, you know, ruin other people's lives, ruin other people's careers. Uh, you know, a lot of women will say, if I ever caught my husband cheating, they'll say, I'll kill him. But they'd also say they would let the world know. Um, no sleepovers. Uh, that's a definite out, uh, even though it can be very um, uh, appealing or, uh, you know, you might uh, enticing and you never want to read into each other's messages and you don't always have to be there at the flip of a switch and you know these people they have a tendency to what maybe want to have a relationship with somebody else as well and so there's when there's no emotion you've got to really make sure that there is no emotion there um, involved and you know understand and it really takes a person who is uh self-actualized, and only about 10% of the population is self-actualized, to be able to handle a relationship like this maturely and appropriately and and privately and quietly. But these relationships do occur, and they do occur for a long time, and and nobody ever knows. And, you know, sometimes it can be extremely hurtful um, if you tell somebody else after the fact or whatever. Uh, if you've had an affair in the past, you know, it's not something you necessarily need to bring out because believe me, it will change things uh, for you. And I'm not promoting extramarital affairs. I'm just saying that they happen. And, uh, you know, you can be sexually attracted to somebody else. And, um, you know, as long as you're practicing safe sex and nobody is getting hurt, and this is, you know, I am totally not judging you. I want to say something else just about uh, jumping off to another um, subject. I, I want to talk this fall quite a bit more about uh, sexual abuse and the ravages that that, uh, that occurs along with that, whether you are a child or an adult or a male or a female or they, it can happen to anybody. And, um, you know, there was a patient of mine that kept a knife on his bedside table because um, he was so fearful in the night because he was abused at a private boarding school um, by men when he was a child. He and his wife uh, slept with a long pillow uh, in between them. Uh, He had anxiety. He had shame. He had um, every time a high-profile case dominated the news. He um, he felt so much for the victims. It re-triggered everything for him. And um, this uh, his wife really dealt with a lot of the issues uh, around his husband. You know, you don't, around her husband, sorry. You don't think about that. You don't think about, um, you know, if your husband isn't sleeping, that actually impacts you as the wife. Um, because then also, uh, you have to get used to sleeping with a knife in the bedroom as well. That's not comfortable, especially for Canadians. Um, so this is, uh, you know, sex abuse survivors don't always want to be the poster boys for sex abuse. This is a huge shame for men because often people say that, um, you know, don't believe that boys and men can be sexually abused, but they certainly can be. And it leads to substance use and abuse. Um, You know, boys are sexually abused by their mothers, by aunts, by babysitters, uh, by a number of people. And it's so much more common. They say one in six, according to the research, Um, the emotions that they experience are fear, trauma, sadness, anger, shame. 
And uh, every time they hear of a new crime, they they relive that. Uh, and it's it's horrific for them. Victims of sexual assault are three times more likely to suffer from depression, six times more likely to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, 13 times more likely to abuse alcohol, 26 more times likely to abuse drugs, and four times more likely to contemplate suicide. So misinformation about this is the worst. Child sex abuse victims are not destined for deviance. Uh, and so there is this myth that the cycle of abuse persists, but that does not occur. Uh, but this is a, a traumatic thing. If you are marrying somebody who has been a sexual who has been sexually abused, uh, it is, you know, it's, um, should really, uh, be something that is up for discussion. It will impact a person's sex life. It will, uh, it may lead to low sexual desire, arousal problems, problems with orgasm, um, and a whole host of other problems. I see a number of patients in my clinical practice who have been sexually abused as a child. It's a tough subject. It's a sad subject. It really needs to end. Uh, it impacts so much of our world and our lives. And, uh, you know, if that's one thing I'd like to end in the world, it is that, um, but, uh, Next week on the program, we're going to be talking about uh, anxiety, alcohol, and women. Uh, there are some sobering statistics about that. Uh, feel free to go and watch my TEDx talk about the no-sex marriage, chronic masturbation, infidelity, loneliness, and shame. You just go to YouTube and type in Maureen McGrath, TEDx Stanley Park. Uh, thank you so much for watching and sharing. I, I do think... Uh, you know, it's a big, it's a yet another big secret that we have and that we live in our lives. And uh, just knowing, so many people have commented on it, that just knowing other people have experienced it helps it a whole, uh, helps things a lot for them. So you may help somebody by just sharing some of that information. Uh, also, you can visit my website anytime you like, backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter at back the number two, the bedroom check out my posts on Instagram. And uh, remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW.